Welcome to the Local Lowdown with Happening in Hearts.com. I'm Piper Terrett. Coming up on the show, we've got a fab interview with Tracy Charlotte Power, artist at Brothership Studios in Hartford, about her art and bringing in our own Ali Lawrence experiences with being on the kidney transplant list and having a kidney transplant. Plus, something a little bit different this week from Graham Mack, a little taster of our charity Christmas children's audio book, um, which will be coming up. But first, the news. Um, we've got a lot of shout outs this week, uh, a lot of different shops and businesses that are still trying to operate during, um, in some shape or form during lockdown. Uh, first up, Replenish Refill um, in Hartford on Railway Street is open as usual um, and has all your uh, essentials. Lots of uh, food, dry pasta, muesli, etc., coffee, plus a great selection of Christmas stocking fillers. I was in there the other other week chatting to Emma, and there's some really lovely things in there. Um, The Book Nook over in Ware is currently closed, but is offering a click and collect service. Um, So do check out their Facebook page to find out more. Um, Also in Ware, the Mexican is still uh, operating uh, opening at five o'clock in the evening between five and nine i think um, wednesdays to saturday so do support them also van pizza uk um, they're still out and about um, check out their facebook page for more details but i understand they're at the white lion in benjo as normal um, uh, from five o'clock to 9 p.m on thursdays Blacks of Sopel open for click and collect in St Albans and Radlett um, and offering free delivery. Now they are uh, offer luxury home interiors and furniture. Also, um, a little shout out to Hartford Theatre, who actually hopefully coming on next week on the podcast. Plus Studio Fly in Ware. These guys are are currently shut. Um, but reopening in, in December. Tom Ashley Hare in Hartford. And last but not least, if you're um, thinking about celebrating Christmas early, which I think a lot of people are, um, just to sort of cheer us all up, are you looking for a real Christmas tree? Well, if you are, Ryan Warren, who's an enterprising chap based in Hoddesdon, is selling quality Christmas trees. Um, starting at £20 for a three-foot tree and he is delivering across Hearts from Enfield to Hartford and down to Bishop Stortford too. So if you fancy one of Ryan's trees, um, do take a look on our uh, Facebook page actually because we've got a little mini ad on there for him if you want more details or call 07984 578 424. That's 07984 578424 and that's Ryan Warren. Add a little bit of sparkle to your Christmas. Tracy Charlotte Power is an artist based at Brothership Studio in Hartford. She talked to us this week about her art and along with our associate editor Ali Lawrence about their shared experience of kidney disease and being on the kidney transplant list. Are you in? Are you at Brothership at the moment? Yeah, I'm in the studio. Yeah. Um, so 
the pieces that I've got to hand. This is um, part of my rain series. So okay. um, they're large canvases and yeah. I usually use, um, it depends on what you would like, but I use gold or silver leaf to create this sort of um, glittered effect at the bottom of them or the top or the side, whatever you whatever you like. So people sometimes like the, um, the rain to be coming from the side. I call it rain, but you know, it's, it's gold leaf uh, making these shards. Um, so it's quite an abstract thing, but I've got lots of those, all different colors and things like that. I also do um, illustrations. Um, let's have a look, have I got anything to show you? I'm oh, sorry. Okay, so this is one of my illustrations. It's um, like a very fine pencil illustration. Um, so I do that kind of fine art as well. And then mainly abstract is my thing at the moment. Um, but because yeah, I've seen the David, I've seen the the blue David. Yeah, so the exhibition that I just had, the theme of it was like neon gods. So I had David and um, Apollo, and the winged victory of Nike. So lots of different, really bright colours. Um, but yeah, so it's all different. I'm always putting different stuff out there. But um, the pieces that I'm working on at the moment are very large canvases. Ah, so, any, any particular reason are they for just sort of you know going to be uh up in a big gallery somewhere or like um, in, well I did one yeah. one as a commission for somebody who had a yellow um like I think they had a gray house everything was gray but they wanted something really bright so I did this yellow canvas with lots of gold leaf on it and so many people were seeing it in the gallery before it was finished before it went out to the customer mm. and they just commenting on it so I did more and more and they're just very sellable pieces because they're they look great if you've got a particular color accessory in your house or in your workspace they really work well so yeah I just I kind of went with what was sellable but I also like making the thing that makes me happy which is um doing statues and oh, really as yeah yeah so so it, what 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 sort of have you have you always been creating works of art or is this something that sort of you started doing um, recently? Um, so, yeah, I've always been doing art um, as a hobby. It's never been something that I've done commercially or as a business before. Um, but then uh, so I worked my whole life. I've been working on and off in the TV industry as a producer or a production manager. Um, but art was always just a hobby for me. And then during my, um, my health problems, as that started to take over my life more and I couldn't work, I started to do it more just as a hobby and really like something to focus on to keep me occupied while I was doing dialysis and all of that kind of thing. And I was getting a lot of people saying, this is really lovely, you should sell your art, you should show it. So I started up an Instagram page and with that, I just get so many people saying lovely things that I was just like oh maybe I should actually think about this as a business in the future and doing it as a full-time thing so after my operation and now my health is is in a really good place that's now become I'm a full-time artist now <laughs> wow that's amazing so so, yeah. so tell me tell me a bit more about your um your health issues when when did uh, when did you have your because you had a kidney transplant that's right yeah kidney and pancreas I had that yeah. in 2018 but that was after a very long time of ill health so um when I was nine years old I was diagnosed with something which is a chronic illness it's an autoimmune disease and it's called Addison's disease 
Oh, yes, um, okay, I've heard of that, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, a basically an insufficiency of the adrenal glands that produce hormones and steroids, natural steroids for the body. So that came along when I was nine years old um, and we don't really know what caused it. There's no family history of it, but it was um, something that really took over my, my childhood for a long time. I was very poorly, always in and out of hospital. Um, and I think... It was probably at that time that I started getting into art as a hobby more because my dad used to sit and draw with me in the hospital and it was always something that I could do while I was in bed. Um, so yeah, that's where the art kind of started for me. Um, and it always was a passion of mine, but the, um, the Addison's disease I kind of dealt with. And then when I was 17, I got um, another autoimmune disease. I got type one diabetes. Oh, um, no. Yeah, which is very bad for your kidneys and your, your body. It's a terrible disease to try and control. And it's it's 24-7. It never goes away. And I didn't deal with it very well because I was 17 and I wanted to be well like all my friends and didn't really take it very seriously. Um, and unfortunately, that it can really damage your, your kidneys. Yeah. So I already had some kidney problems prior to getting the diabetes, but diabetes sped up the kidney disease that I already had. Um, so yeah, I've always suffered with, with ill health. And then about five years ago, they said to me, your kidneys are starting to fail. You've got kidney disease. Um, and it went from stage one kidney disease right through to stage five, um, which is when I was put onto dialysis. And I was on dialysis for about a year and a half. I was also on the transplant list for that time. Yeah. And luckily, with, within a year and a half, I was, I was lucky enough to get my transplant. Um, and that, that I also got, so I got the kidney transplant, but I also got the pancreas as well, which means that I'd no longer live with diabetes, which is life changing. I mean, having kidney disease is something that you can't live with sustainably, but um, when, when you get a kidney transplant, it can, of course, give you this, this lifelong um, better health, but with having the pancreas transplanted as well I now have this this condition that was ruling my life it's completely gone so that's really been a huge changing point for me um, and and I do still suffer with health problems I have mobility problems and yeah. um, I get very tired because I've got I've still got the Addison's disease and I have underactive thyroid and lots of other problems but um, my life has really changed since having the transplant fantastic that's amazing so Alison can I can Ali can I bring you in now as well because Ali who um Ali is a, works with us on the on the website she uh, you're you're um undergoing dialysis at the moment aren't you that's right yeah yeah um I basically um it's, it's quite interesting just listening to Tracy just talk there because I found that everybody's experience of uh, kidney disease and things like that is so 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 different I mean for me uh, it started where I had a routine sort of blood pressure check to join a, a gym in my sort of mid-20s it was a little bit high so the, 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 they said to me I'll just go to the doctor and just get it tested by the doctor just to give us a, an okay that you're okay to, to, to work out with us and then basically that led on to me um, I got diagnosed with high blood pressure and then through a lot of uh, tests found out that I had chronic kidney disease which was which was what was causing the high blood pressure 
uh, and also in a very sort of circular way. Um, kidney disease can show high, can cause high blood pressure, but also high blood pressure can damage your kidneys and give you uh, kidney disease as well. So, uh, so as I say, that was in my um, in my sort of mid to late twenties that I was diagnosed, and then basically for the next twenty odd years would just I was just on medication to keep my blood pressure uh, regulated went for regular checkups and things like that but within the last couple of years I'd probably say uh, things sort of um, escalated and uh, or or really actually declined uh, and my uh, kidney function really sort of plummeted in uh, 2000 2018 and 2019 um, so um, beginning of this year I was put on the kidney transplant list uh, and then also um, started uh, dialysis back in in March. Actually, it was it was interesting about a week before the the first spring lockdown for COVID. So that was a interesting time. It must have been so, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I think maybe COVID maybe just sort of was a bit easier because I was focusing on on other things. And you know, I just remember um, I can remember that you know, fourteenth of March two thousand and twenty was the first time that I. I, I dialyzed and uh, so I've been doing that since then. Um, and as I said, I've been on the on the transplant list this year. I've been on the transplant list since about uh, January. Um, what else can I tell you? <laughs> well, and, and how do you how how do you undergo dialysis, Ali? Yeah, so that was quite an interesting thing for me because I've always prided myself in really investigating things to do with my health. I just think it's really important. And um, up until a few about about a month before I started dialysis, I was all set to have um, um, hemodialysis, which I think is the one that if people know about dialysis, it's the one that they know, it's where you're attached up and basically a machine will clean your blood and that basically does the work of your kidneys. That's a very simplified version of what hemodialysis is. Um, but there's another um, dialysis, um, which is called peritoneal dialysis, um, which is what I do. And that's, that basically works by, I had a, a catheter uh, permanent or not permanent installed in in through my abdomen into my peritoneum cavity uh, and then uh, the, the peritoneal basically is that sac which basically um, holds a lot of your vital organs and then what happens is um, I'm attached to, I get attached to a machine uh, five times uh, a week and um, that basically um, will clean will do the work of my kidneys basically so what what happens is um i'll be on the machine for eight hours while i'm asleep uh and during that time it'll it'll basically um um fill my abdomen or my peritoneum with um this liquid it's just like a sugary solution and that that sits in my abdomen for about two two and a half hours and then it's all sort of sugary so what happens is it, it attracts all the toxins and then it will basically the machine will drain out uh, all that liquid and then do it again. It does it three times over the course of the eight hours. So basically it's taking the, the sugary liquid that sits in my peritoneum during those couple of hours that it's in there. It just basically magnetically attracts <laughs> the toxins yeah. um, that, would, that would have been cleaned by my kidneys uh, and then basically gets flushed out um, into a drain bag. And then I just tip that down the sink basically in the morning so and and that's how it uh how it works really so um but uh, yeah so I, was, I wasn't aware, even really much aware of peritoneal dialysis until uh, a few weeks before I actually had my operation and, and and started it but it's 
it, I have to say it works really well for me. Um, as I say, it just all happens while I'm asleep, which is, which is great, really. And you're, you're able to sleep through it? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a little bit, it's a bit of a weird sensation when I, the first part of the treatment is for the first little couple of minutes, um, the machine, which I've, I've named Bob. Uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob will basically drain a little bit of any residual liquid that's left in my peritoneum. So that sort of takes about three or four minutes and that can, it's like a bit of a weird sort of sucking thing that it does. And uh, that can be... Um, a little bit uncomfortable it's a little bit like cramps you know that period cramps or something like that but it's only yeah. lasts a few minutes so uh that's fine um but yeah generally i will probably just wait, um sleep through until um the end of the therapy so the end of the eight session eight hour session which generally you'll sort of time it for to, to actually finish just before you're waking up because then it'll do the final drain so that's when it's doing the really pulling the liquid out of you again that could be a little bit uncomfortable um, but yeah, generally, uh, unless an alarm goes off <laughs> um, on the machine, which sometimes happens, yeah, generally uh, it, it just sort of bubbles away in the background on, on my bedside table and you can, you just sort of sleep through it really. Tracy, what, what, what on earth was it like having the, the transplant? Um, for me, it was, the, it was like all my Christmases came at once to, to learn that I had been gifted this organ was just the most exciting news that I could ever get um, for of course my family very different story they were petrified that I might not make it through the transplant it's a really huge operation um, and it's it's something that you really need you really need to fight for it's the fight of your life and um, you have to be strong for it so I don't know about you Alison but um, with with being on the transplant list it's quite difficult I'm, I'm sure it's very difficult for you at the moment with Covid because I know that at some point they closed the transplant list for a lot of people um, but for me I remember um, getting on the transplant list was like you have to go in front of a panel of doctors they have to assess yeah. all of your your organs your heart and see if you're strong enough um, yeah. a lot of were told to lose weight or change their diet for me I had to put on weight because I was so underweight and they said unless you are the right way we're not going to do this operation so I had to eat like a horse and try and put weight on which I found really difficult um, mm. that was probably the hard part for me was trying to keep the weight on trying to just stay as healthy as I could have how um, I could with with all the tools that they were giving me but um Dialysis, I have to say, dialysis for me was um, slightly different. So I did the hemodialysis that Alison talked about before, mm. which is different to peritoneal. It cleans your blood. Um, so I, for me, I was on it about three or four times a week. I would have to go to the hospital unit in Harlow in Essex. Um, they were incredible. I have to say that the staff there were just amazing and gave me so much support because I think it's a it's a really emotional difficult time to be on the transplant list yeah. and then having to uh, you know give this this therapy to yourself um and administer all of these medicines and everything like that you do need support and i was able to rely on the nurses there for friendship and guidance mm. but, um there was a few times where i was taken off of the list 
transplant list because I wasn't well enough to have the operation. Um, and then there was also, I don't know if this has happened to you, Alice, and if they've told you about this, but um, sometimes you can get a call to go for your organ transplant and the organs aren't, vi they're not viable to use. Um, yeah. so, oh my God, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, dummy runs and um in a way looking back they're probably like very good practice runs but you don't mm. want to practice that um, <laughs> <laughs> i had um a conversation with a girl that had, had 13 dummy runs so i consider myself lucky that i only yeah. had four um yes. but yeah. they're they're very very scary um you i was called in the middle of the night you have to keep a phone on you know, you can't leave your phone in case they call you. Um, and I, I got this phone call in the middle of the night to say, yes, we we think we've got some organs for you. They're going to arrive at your hospital. You need to be there within the hour. So I got there and they prep you for an op operation, which obviously means things like suppositories and, you know, catheters and all of this sort of um, fun preparation, stuff. which I had. All the fun stuff. <laughs> um, I was put through that put on the operating table and then I saw the, the surgeon coming to me to say unfortunately the the, the organs aren't good enough mm. and it's just devastating it really is devastating but um with hindsight of course I can say well I now have uh, my organs that are the best my yes. my surgeon said that um you know this this organ that we've got here because I was I was literally begging him I was like I don't care I just want them <laughs> I don't care if they're not good enough I'll just okay and he said yeah. the worst thing that we can do is do a pancreas and then have to take it out yeah 10 days and then you're off the transplant list you're not going to be able to have another operation for a year he said mm -hmm. let's wait for better ones yeah. um yeah so that and that's a real that's a real glitch you know that's not easy to deal with but um yeah when I got my finally when I got my kidneys um I was in better health because I'd had probably a year and a half of good dialysis I'd kept my routine I was always um you have to be there on time for your dialysis you have to mm -hmm. make sure you get a certain amount of hours a week so I was always um really strict with my health and really strict with everything that I could be so I know that at that point when it came to um, I think it was September when I had my operation. I knew that I was ready for it and yeah. I was in the best possible health for me and everything worked out with timing. Um, so I got my transplant and they said to me, you're going to be in a coma for about two weeks afterwards. You won't remember any of this. It will all be, you'll be under heavily sedated and all of this. Um, but I woke up within an hour of my operation. <laughs> I remember... <laughs> Still. I wasn't in any pain I was as high as a kite I remember my parents coming into the recovery room and I said um can you get me a roast dinner please <laughs> brilliant <laughs> I, I, I my sister on the phone and um I was within 12 hours I was walking around my bed believe it or not um mm. I, was, I was as high as a kite but then you do come down from them drugs yeah. and <laughs> the pain of the scar and all of that kind of thing but for me it was a very very positive experience and I really hope that that is the same for you because um for some people that I've spoken to afterwards it's obviously it's a very difficult thing to go through um, yeah. but I just I took every positive out of it because I know that I got um the organs from a donor who saved my life um mm -hmm. and he also 
he also donated his organs to other people as well so his heart went to another person and mm. he was able to save four lives and um that is something wow. very special and very yeah. close to me um, it's something yeah. that some people don't want to think about but and i understand that you know it's, it's a difficult one being on a donor list and having to imagine that you're going to receive something that somebody else has lost and and the whole um family thing is just it's a, it's can be a little bit of a um, a difficult thing to deal with but for me it was just like the most positive thing and um, I think my positive um, mental attitude towards it all and also my kind of like fight that this isn't going to this isn't going to harm me it's only going to do me good that kind of yeah. really through and helped me fight um, yeah. but I, I do I do understand that it's not the same for everyone and I think if you're going through something like that it's really important to reach out and say I, I feel shit. <laughs> Excuse yeah. my friend. No, no. Um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really important to say, you know, the, I, I have a friend who's on the heart transplant at the moment list, sorry, heart transplant list. And he's amazingly positive, but he also said if I'm if I feel really bad and I yeah. feel like I need to cry, I'm gonna do it because it's yeah. okay to, you know, I don't deserve this or however you're feeling, that's that's all right, they're all valid feelings. Um, but yeah, for me, I just I just look back on it as an amazing time in my life um, that I've learned so much from. I've grown so much as a person, and it's given me a lot of confidence to now be. Um, I'm, I'm an ambassador of a diabetes charity um, called the oh. Diathlete, where we help young children who are suffering with type one diabetes. And even though I don't have diabetes anymore, it's really important for me to still be a part of that community and help where I can um yeah and and those kind of things I think are important you know you 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 do want to walk away from it a little bit there's a part of me that thinks I don't want to think about that anymore yeah, but, <laughs> yeah it's like a part of my life that I think it's pos it's possibly like really helpful for me to share my experience with others yeah. um you know, I think that's something that we can all do. And as part of like mental health awareness and all of that as well, it's if you if you want people to reach out and you're expressing that people should reach out, then you also need to open yourself up a little bit to possibly things that are painful and share that with others. Any, Alison, any, any, or Ali, any last thoughts? I was, I was just thinking everything that what Tracy was saying, I completely agree with. I mean, I think, and, and also I want to really touch on what you were saying about, just the, just really understanding the mental impact of everything that you go through when it comes to having an illness be it kidney disease or, or whatever or any sort of disease and then being on um, an organ transplant list be it for a kidney a pancreas a heart liver whatever uh, it's just yeah the mental impact of that and really sort of giving yourself um, being easy on yourself as you as you say reaching out to people and I had I had a similar experience that you know I've got a great network of people who I have, can go out to and I, I go to the Lister Hospital for my renal uh, care and they are amazing and a bit like you the nurses there are just amazing people uh, you, know, you can really rely on for that sort of emotional support and I think yeah just reach out and don't be afraid to say I'm having a bad day and I feel pants and uh, uh, I think that definitely just admitting it to yourself and not feeling like you have to be a master is probably a good step in the right direction. Definitely. 
absolutely wow well, thanks so much for sharing this is quite a, you know i'd be amazed by you guys opening up this is quite a, must be quite a difficult subject to talk about tracy what how do we because obviously you you always you were meant to be having a an, an exhibition at brothership last weekend um how can we see your art now can we see it online yeah, I've been doing lots of stuff online this weekend and trying to share what I would have been doing as an exhibition online, which has been good, by the way. I want to thank everyone who's um, sort of checked in and looked at my art. But I have got an Instagram page um, and it's Tracy Charlotte Power Art. And also the Brothership is a, a gallery which is in Hartford Town. We've got lovely sort of window displays for people to look at during lockdown. Um, but the Brothership Studio is also online, so you can see the art on there. And it's not just me here, it's a couple of other artists which are producing lots of cool lockdown art. We're trying to be as productive as we can during this time, staying away from each other. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> How many paintbrushes yeah. away from each other do you have to be? <laughs> like three or four or something? Beta canvas or something like that. Oh yeah, that's you. probably better, isn't it? Yeah. But all got our own little studio so we can close the door and I come in here and it's like my little therapy room it's like my happy place and um it's nice to have that you know it's I, I couldn't do it from home I could do some bits from home but it's nice to have this space um during lockdown for sure fantastic well uh Tracy Charlotte Power and Ali Lance thank you so much for for talking to us you're welcome and I just Thanks want to wish best and I I hope that you can keep well and you get your transplant very soon and thank um thank you for letting us come on today it's been fun thanks very much thank you the law around organ donation has now changed and you have to opt out if you don't wish to be a donor if you want to find out more about organ donation visit organdonation.nhs.uk This week we've got something a little different for you from Graham Mac. Um, we're putting together a children's audio book um, to raise money at Christmas for St Andrew's School in Stansted Abbots and also Hartford Food Bank. Now we've had a number of very generous um, local authors and other luminaries um, reading stories. We thought we'd give you a little taster, um, which is Mr Graham Mac reading Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. This is The Jabberwocky, by Lewis Carroll, read by Graham Mack. T'was brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the moam wraiths outgrave. Beware the jabberwock, my son! The jaws that bite, the claws that catch! Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious spandersnatch! He took his vorpal sword in hand. Long time the manxome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tuggly wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy! O oh, frabjous day, kaloo He chortled in his joy. T'was brillig, 
and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the mome wraiths outgrave. That's it for the local lowdown this week. Join us next week when we'll be speaking to Hartford Theatre about their plans post-lockdown. Stay safe, people. <laughs>